0: Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. And welcome to the Journey. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor and so honored that you've made us a part of your Sunday experience. Wherever you're watching from, if you're watching this from your apartment building, or if you're outside on a walk at Central Park and somehow you're tuning in, or if you're driving... If you're driving, you might want to put the phone down and watch this later. But if you're here with us today, I want to encourage you, after the service, we've got our Zoom community group, and it's only for about 20 to 25 minutes. It's been a great time throughout this entire series where we've been connecting with each other, connecting face-to-face virtually, and talking next steps and processing through the message. And so your hosts, they're going to put a link below in the chat before and after this message. Encourage it. Click on that link. Give it a try, even if you've never done it before, and join in with us. Now, before we dive into today's message and we talk about the next parable in our series, i got to share with you a personal story, all right? So we're in church. i got to make a confession, all right? Three years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go on a vacation, here's the key, without kids. Somebody do praise hands in the chat. Amen, right? It's the first time that we had gone on a vacation without kids, for years. And so I booked us a cruise to travel from Miami to Mexico or Mexico back five days, four nights, all you can eat food, no kids. Did I say no kids? I was pumped. And this was pre-COVID, so cruises were still around. But if you've ever been on a cruise before, you know that like dinner time is the elegant or most elegant of the meals. This is the one where you get all dressed up, you eat in a nice hall overlooking the ocean. The only downside or awkward part is they pair you up with other Couples, you cannot eat alone. And I gotta admit, I get anxiety when I meet new people, right? What if they're weird? What if they think we're weird? What if they're annoying? And I gotta admit, being a pastor, one of the most awkward things I get when someone asks me, What do you do for a living? Because when I'm a pastor, nine times out of 10, after I say I'm a pastor, the conversation just ends and gets awkward. So on the first night of our cruise with our kids, we go to sit at a dinner table and we're greeted by two other nice couples. First couple, husband serves in the military, and they're there celebrating their five-year anniversary. The other couple, they're celebrating their 10-year anniversary, and the husband had just started a new business. So we've been able to talk conversation back and forth, back and forth, and I've been able to avoid the what do you do for a living question for about 20 minutes. Then as the appetizers comes out, one of the guys stops all conversations and asks if he could pray a prayer of blessing over the meal. So I thought, man, that's pretty cool. As a person of faith, just like us, he prays. After the prayer, he turns his head, looks at me and says, Mike, I don't think I asked you, what do you do for a living? <laughs> now, at this point, I had to awkwardly say, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor, and I wasn't the one to stop the table and ask for prayer. <laughs> Awkward moment. Now, today, I want to talk to you about one of the most foundational habits and most important habits that can increase and grow your faith in God. And it's about the importance of prayer. Now, I think most of us, we understand that prayer is important, right? Most of us, we'd like to feel close to God and to feel like our prayers can change things. But maybe for you right now, prayer seems like a ritual, Almost feels like a chore. When you pray, you're not even sure if God is there or you don't feel close to God when you're praying. You wonder if God even hears your prayers or that these prayers go even higher than the ceiling that you're praying to right now. For some of you, if you're honest, uh, when it comes to prayer, you've just stopped trying. It's been a while since you prayed. The only time you pray is when you order food on Seamless and you don't wanna get food poisoning. The Only time you pray is during emergencies only. You see, we all struggle with prayer sometimes. But in reality, in its essence, prayer is simply talking to God. And if we could learn how to pray with power and connect with God as our creator in a real way, I believe it could transform not just your faith, but everything else in your life. And so today we're going to look at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. We're going to learn from Jesus himself, how do we pray with power? So let's look at this parable together in your notes Verse nine, it says, then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Here's the parable. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. The other was a despised tax collector. Now let's pause here for a moment and let's add in the characters that we read in this parable. Since right at the beginning, Jesus gives them to us and he introduces them to us. First, he starts off with the setting, the temple. Now, it's significant to know that they're in the temple. It's almost like they're at church, right? It's the public place where they would have been seen by others when it came time to prayer. Sometimes you pray in private, but sometimes you worship God in public. So we know that they're at the temple. But next thing it says, it says that they're praying. Now, remember, in every parable, there's a character who represents God. In this parable, God is portraying himself. He is the object of their prayer. Let's look at the next character in this parable. It's a Pharisee. You see, a Pharisee was known to be a religious leader. He's the one that all of us would expect would be good at prayer. He's a good guy. He's respected by everyone. He knows how to pray. Him and Jesus are like this. They're tight. But then we read the next character, a despised tax collector. Now notice here, he doesn't just say tax collector, but he adds in the word despised because he's the one that you would think would be bad at prayer. Tax collectors, they were despised by Jewish people because tax collectors were Jewish, but they were working for the Roman government. And they were taking up taxes on the Jewish people for the Roman government. And so they were seen as traitors. They were notoriously dishonest, almost always took advantage of people. And you wouldn't even expect to see a tax collector in the temple, let alone praying. So when Jesus says this, everybody's ears are apt to listen as to what's next. Let's go back in our story. Verse 11, it says, The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. Now, so far, the Pharisee thinks he's nailing it. Right? He prays this prayer and he points out all the things that he is doing right. I'm not like the tax collector. I don't do these things. I do these good things, though. And other people must hear him and easily think that, he's in, that they're impressed. right? And so he must walk away from the temple feeling good about this. But Jesus doesn't stop the story there. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. You see, the tax collector prayer could not be more opposite than the Pharisee's prayer. He can't even look up because he's so ashamed of his own sin. Instead, he beats his chest and in an act of vulnerability, he asks God for forgiveness. And then here's the twist at the end of the parable. Verse 14, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. At this point, Jesus' listeners had their jaws on the floor because this is not what they were expecting. Jesus is telling us that there's a way that we think God wants us to pray, and there's a better way where God actually hears us and responds. There's a way that you and I can pray that's powerful and effective, but it's gonna be different and challenge the status quo. And so what I wanna do today is I wanna just give us a few models on how do we pray, six biblical keys to unlocking a powerful and effective prayer life. The first thing in your notes, number one is to be consistent, to be consistent. You see, a recent survey showed that 77% of adults in America prayed at some point this year. But if you ask most people if they ever prayed, the answer would be yes, right? But if you were to ask them how often they prayed, you would see there's a big disconnect. In fact, it's been said that the average Christian, not American, the average Christ follower prays just one minute a day. That's it. You see, most people who pray... They only pray as a last resort. It's a problem that won't go away, or God, I lost my job and I need more money. God, my relationship is falling apart and I don't want to be single. And so I'm getting desperate. And so we pray often as a last resort. And we tend to turn to prayer when we've exhausted all other options. But see, God never intended prayer to be a last resort that we turn to him only for emergencies. Prayer should not be our last resort. It should be our first response. That's why Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, this really long verse, he says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. In order to have a powerful prayer life, you have to be consistent because power in prayer comes from consistency, not just when you feel like it or when you find yourself in a jam. You see, in our parable, the Pharisee and the tax collector both went to the temple to pray. You see, they thought that God's presence could be found there. And maybe you're here today, and you grew up thinking that you had to be at a holy place like church in order to connect with God. Maybe you're even led to believe that other people had to pray like a pastor or a priest in order for our prayers to be answered. But see, Jesus says clearly, you could pray to God anywhere, anytime, in your own words, and God will still accept you. You see, you don't need a specific person or to be in a specific place. You don't need to pray only in King James version or thine or thee. No, you can pray directly to God anytime, any moment because God is your heavenly Father. So be consistent. Number 2, the second key to powerful prayer is to be humble. To be humble. You see, let's look at the Pharisee. Why wasn't his prayer heard? Well, it was because of his attitude. He came with a prideful attitude and he came with a big head. First, he had a prideful attitude toward others, right? He felt good about himself when he prayed. He wasn't like the tax collector, wasn't like all these other people, right? But secondly, he had a prideful attitude toward God, right? He was almost praying as if he was doing God a favor by praying. But see, just like the tax collector, he too was sinful and in need of God's grace, And see, when we're full of pride, it makes us stiff and stubborn, but more importantly, it creates a divide between you and God. Because God cannot and will not use a person who is full of pride. We cannot be full of God and full of ourselves at the same time. And the tax collector's prayer was heard and it was powerful because he saw how great God was and realized how much he fell short of it. That he was a sinner in need of God's grace. Scripture even says that he beat his chest, which is a sign of humility. He recognized his dependence on God, and Jesus says that's the attitude that unlocks the power of prayer. Luke 18, verse 14, it says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So we've got to be consistent, we've got to be humble the number three in your notes is to be real. To be real when it comes to our prayers. Now, every night before the kids go to bed, Danielle and I will take the kids in and we'll say a prayer with them. And for years, Blake had been caught in this rut with his prayers. He would pray the same exact prayer word for word every single night, every single time. It never deviated, never changed. The words were always the same exact thing. And so one night, I decided to change it up. His teacher was out sick. And so I said, well, let's pray for your teacher. Blake said, okay, sounds like a good idea. So Blake goes right into his prayer. Same routine, gets right to the same words. And at the moment it's time to pray for his teacher, he froze. (laughs) He froze, didn't say anything. Looks at me with worried eyes, says, what do I say? And in reality, he was afraid that he was gonna mess up the prayer or get it wrong. So he just didn't pray. He just stopped at that point. Now, sometimes we approach God the same way. We've got it in our heads that we've got to approach Him with this formula, that we've got to pray a certain way, say a certain thing, and that if we don't, our prayers are going to become void because God is less concerned with our words or following a formula. God is more concerned that we're real in our approach. That's why Jesus said this to not only the Pharisees, but to you and I as well. Matthew 6, verse 7, He says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered by merely repeating their words again and again. You see, for we're honest, sometimes we're like the Pharisee. Sometimes we go to God and we feel like we've got to pretend like we have it all together. But God knows you're not fooling him. God knows we don't have it all together. And sometimes we act like we're okay, but inwardly we're not okay. You see, God already knows. God knows how messed up you are, but guess what? We're all messed up. That person in the chat that said amen, they're messed up too. Pastor Mike, he is a mess. Just ask Danielle, all right? We are all a mess. So don't worry about how it sounds or having the right formula. Just tell God what you need and what you're going through. Be real and be sincere. We should all be like the tax collector, transparent and honest. Take off that mask and be honest with God about our sins, our hurts, and our hopes and our desires. So God wants us to be real. Number four in your notes, to have a powerful prayer life, you've got to be intentional. To be intentional. Now, why is this important? Well, because when you pray, it's not all about you. I mean, if you only talk to God about yourself, your prayer life and your relationship with God is going to become stale. Think about it like this. Imagine you go on a first date and the other person dominates the conversation. Only thing they talk about is themselves. Every time you open up your mouth to say something, they turn it around back to themselves. They don't talk about anything or anyone else. They don't pause long enough to listen. You know that that's a sign that it's not gonna be a good relationship, right? So when you pray, don't make it always about yourself. Be intentional. Remember, God longs for a relationship with you not a lecture, not to hear all about you, not about everything. But see, God sometimes wants you even to be still and to listen. Philippians 4, 6 tells it like this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You see, Paul tells us, right, to ask God for what we need, yes, but don't just stop there. Pray to God about other things as well. So how do we be intentional? In your notes, I want to give you just a model on how you pray. In fact, it's, it's going to spell the word pray, so it's easy for us to remember. But four things to do when you pray. First thing, number one, the letter P is praise. Start every prayer with praise. Why? Because we're not God. You and I, we've never spoke creation into existence We cannot heal the blind or raise the dead. We cannot change someone's heart of stone. Only God can do that. So when we pray, we need to start with praise because it gives us the right perspective. There is a God, I am not him. So I'm gonna praise him for who he is and what he means in my life. The second thing I do to be intentional is letter R, which is repent. Now this is important because it's our sin that keeps us from God's presence and is best in our lives. Sin stands in the way between us and a holy and a perfect God. And sometimes we greatly underestimate the power of unconfessed sin in our lives. So we ask God to forgive us of our sins so that we can hear him clearly in our hearts. So it's praise, it's repent. The letter A is ask. This is probably the part that we're best at. This is where we go before God with our needs and our requests. This is where we could approach Him about anything. Ask Him to move, to intervene in our lives. We ask Him to step in, help us in our time of need. So we praise, we repent, we ask. The last one is, letter Y is yield. And what this means is we end with a posture of surrender before God. Now this is so important because if we don't do that last step, We can wrongly assume that the purpose of prayer is for God to do what we want, not for us to do what God wants. Prayer is about bending our hearts to his will, not him bending his will to our desires. And so we end our prayers with a time of surrender before him. Now, the fifth way for us to have a powerful and impactful prayer life is to be persistent, to be persistent. Now, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells another parable about prayer. And it's kind of an interesting parable, but it's about someone who goes over to a friend's house in the middle of night to ask to borrow bread. Sounds like a New Yorker, right? Only a New Yorker would knock at someone's apartment in the middle of the night asking for bread or for milk. But the friend responds, it's too late, right? Are you crazy? Go away. But Jesus tells us through the parable, he says, if you keep knocking, eventually the friend is going to give you the bread. Not because of your friendship, but because of the persistence. And then Jesus finishes that parable with wise words in Luke chapter 11, verses nine through 10. It's here in your notes. He says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus is telling us, he says that you pray for something and you don't get it pray again. If you ask and you don't get it, ask again. If you seek and you don't find it, seek again. If you knock and no one answers, knock again. Jesus is telling us, be persistent. Never, ever stop seeking God. Because if a friend is willing to give something to you because of your persistence, how much more willing is God, who loves you more than you'll ever know, answer your prayers? Now, maybe you're here today and you'll say, well, pastor, there's something I've been asking God for and I'm not getting it. I've been asking God to go back to my work. I've been asking God for a new job or a new career path and I'm just, there are no leads. I've been asking God for a great dating relationship and Christian mingle just ain't working for me. I've been asking God to heal me or a family member of a disease and nothing's happening. Or I've been asking God for a specific situation and you feel like God's not there. Through this parable, Jesus is reminding us to be Persistent. Keep praying. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. Keep asking. Why does God want you to be persistent? Well, because prayer grows your faith. The more you talk with God, the closer you grow to God. The more you pray, even if you're not getting exactly what you're hoping for, the stronger your faith grows. And sometimes God is not wanting us to seek Him for answers but to seek him as the answer in our life. You see, prayer isn't a way to bend God's will to your way. It's a way to bend our will to his. And so in praying, God shapes our desires and our hearts to look more like his. And sometimes God answers our prayers by changing us, not necessarily the circumstances. So be persistent. And then let's look at the last one, number six. To have a powerful prayer life, I've got to be bold. Now, why is being bold so important? Because God is big, therefore we should pray big prayers. Have you ever done that before? You ever prayed a really big prayer? A prayer, at the moment it left your mouth, you were like, I don't know if I should have asked for that, that's too big, there's no way I could do this on my own. You see a prayer so big that you're like, man, I, I need God to step in and intervene. Maybe for you, you've been praying a bold prayer of a healing of a family member when the doctor said they've only got six months to live. Maybe it's praying for the salvation of a friend who said, I never will believe in God. Maybe it's praying for that job, even though you haven't had a callback or an interview scheduled yet. Maybe it's praying that your new company you just started is gonna take off, even though it seems impossible during this pandemic. You see, maybe right now you're afraid to pray big prayers. And maybe this pandemic has caused you to settle when it comes to your prayer life. Maybe you're afraid God's not gonna answer or you're afraid what's gonna happen if he does answer you. But scripture tells us over and over again to be bold and to pray to God without fear. That if we go to God boldly in Jesus' name, he will hear our prayers. Hebrews 4:16, one of my favorite verses. It's a reminder, it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy And we will find grace to help us, love this part, when we need it most. So, what's the secret to unlocking the power of prayer? Well, it's to remind ourselves that God is greater and bigger than anything you're praying about. Maybe you have a prayer that you think will never happen. God is bigger. Maybe you're facing the toughest relationship challenge you've ever had. God is greater. Maybe you've got a huge project at work and you're like, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to overcome. God is bigger. So we can pray to God with boldness. You know, we looked at this parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And remember, this entire parable has nothing to do with how good you've been or how terrible you've been. When we approach God with humility, When we approach God with boldness, we can be assured that God hears us. And so let's take a moment right now and let's pray and ask for God to strengthen our faith. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we thank you for this reminder, this powerful story, this powerful parable that reminds us that it's not about how good we've been or how bad we've been. It's the reminder that you hear our prayers. And so God, I pray that you help us stay humble, help us seek you with the right motives and the right perspectives, and to seek you boldly today, God. I know everyone here that's watching and listening is going through something where they need you to intervene or need you to step in. God, I pray that you help us come to you with boldness, knowing that you are for us, not against us, that you have great plans for us, even in the midst of difficulties. And so God, we surrender our lives over to you. We trust in you and we receive your grace boldly. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.